0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world welcome to the influential you podcast i'm your co-host and the only person that'll be the host for a couple weeks because john is on vacation still josh D'Amigo, lead faculty for influential you and your co-host for this weekly podcast at influential you we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence since 2009 we've helped thousands of business owners executives and entrepreneurs become more influential more rewarded and more you Today, we're speaking with Jennifer Caldwell, the Chief Development Officer of FoodShare of Ventura County. You've heard her story before, as she was on our podcast before the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's a favorite episode of many of our listeners. She's been a morning show co-host and producer in radio, 40 Under 40 recipient from the Pacific Coast Business Times and the Greater Conejo Chamber of Commerce. Young Professional of the Year with the Ventura Chamber of Commerce and is the current co-chair of the Board of Directors for the Ventura County Leadership Academy. She had some amazing results in her Fundamentals of Transaction program and lives in Ventura County And she's also on my softball team and always ropes it to third base. Please welcome Jennifer Caldwell back to the podcast. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi. I always have to throw that in. Ropes it? I mean, you just rope it straight down the third base line. How would you
1: say it? I smoke it.
0: Smoke it. Yeah, it's it's
1: fair. Both work. She
0: actually got me on the softball team and it's been a ton of fun. I even got to name the team, which is a great one. Did you? I did get the big stink. (laughs) You're welcome. We're called the big stink. This is Jennifer Caldwell. Jennifer, tell us what you do as the chief development officer at Foodshare.
1: So Foodshare is the food bank of Ventura County, the regional food bank. And it really is my job as chief development officer to make sure that every single funding opportunity that comes in so we can get our job done comes into the food bank.
0: That's fantastic. So that it's a lot of outreach. What is like, what is a normal day in your world? Oh
1: goodness. The question of all ages for any really, uh, position, but really it's talking to donors, and that could be corporations, organizations, foundations. Working with my team, they have their own separate kind of donor pool, as we call it, talking to individuals, and then making talking to our kind of um, county and government agencies as well.
0: So it's a lot of outreach. It sounds like you probably need to be a people person. A little bit. Okay. So what uh, personality do you identify with?
1: I identify as a performer.
0: Two performers in a room with my CEO out of town. What could
1: go wrong? Oh,
0: everything. Everything. But he trusts you, and you. He- He's starting to trust me. <laughs> so it's a fun job because you get to do a lot of performery things. things. Yeah. But then, you know, the last time we talked with you, you gave a brilliant story. And if you guys haven't heard her last podcast, I really invite you to go and listen to that one first and then come back to this one if you can. But you then face a global crisis. Yeah. I mean, everything shuts down. Everyone's, you know, locked in. There. There's people losing jobs. Yeah and suddenly the food bank becomes one of the most, um, I don't wanna say like it's under um, reported, but it becomes the center of attention in a lot of ways. What Tell us kind of the story, what was that like? What was it like when you like just started, when the pandemic hit and suddenly you realized, oh, we're doing this?
1: Your first definition honestly was absolutely correct. Food banks were absolutely underrepresented unknown in so many different communities, yet we did such great work even pre-pandemic. And I think we can both agree that hunger in and of itself is a pandemic Mm. outside of COVID-19, right? But really, I I don't wanna give any thanks to COVID-19, but what it did do for food banks across the nation, it put us on on the map, it put us on the national news. We were the lead story, we were above the fold in everything that we did. So it really, what it did is it opened our doors to people that didn't even know food banks existed right in their backyard. And we had so many people in our community that were new to need. They had never needed a food bank before. They had never needed food assistance before. They were used to, they had a great job, they would go to the grocery store, buy whatever it is they needed for their family and go home and and keep on living their life. The pandemic completely changed not only how we operated, but how every household in Ventura County operated. And that can be said for across the nation. So it really just um, put us on the map, but in a good way, because now more people know about us who actually need us.
0: Yeah, And I imagine that it it changes the perspective in a a way that, I mean, you have all these fun people skills and now you're using these people skills in a not so fun environment. Um, What is it like to kind of move around, Chief Development Officer, Moving, kind of, with the global pandemic behind you, you're now, uh, you know, raising funds, building awareness. Like, where do you even start to begin with what to do on your list of things when you're hit with something of this magnitude?
1: Yeah, and it's it's. I actually feel like I have a harder story to tell now than I did two years ago. Before, I could pick up the phone, walk into somebody's office, well, six feet (laughs) distanced, of course. Um, and just say, hey, I'm Foodshare, and they would almost just start writing the check immediately because they knew exactly who we are and what we needed the funds for. Now, although truly nothing has changed with our operations and what we do, because their doors are back open, they're back at work, everything is open, and it almost is back to business as usual in a sense, they don't see the need anymore. We're on page six. We're on the bylines of the of the news stories. We're not we're not present anymore, and that's not blaming media or, or or anyone really. It just is. It's the nature of the world and the situation that we're in. So I have a bit of a harder story to tell because w- the need is still out there, and we're still having to transact with those donors to fulfill our obligations.
0: I I like that you snuck our word in there. Uh, if you didn't hear transact, <laughs> uh, Jen. What is it like to transact in a pandemic? I mean, tell me about like when you're exchanging with someone else in the middle of a crisis, and I'm, I imagine you have to be a voice of calm. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what that's like.
1: And it really was twofold, not just transaction, transacting with donors, asking for their assistance to help us get us through the pandemic, but really my job, the, my title was completely almost taken out of who I was in my role at FoodShare during the pandemic. Yes, I was the chief development officer, But I was also, as somebody actually named me, the pop-up princess. We were doing six pop-up emergency food distributions all around the county, and I was boots on the ground making sure those happened. I had the relationships with the city agencies to reserve a park to be able to do this pop-up agency, um, have the relationship with the local sheriff's department to, hey, in case we need traffic control or whatever it was. So I had to be boots on the ground to make that happen. And the people that I saw coming through the line who just had this look that they were ashamed on their face, I would walk up to their car and immediately made sure I take that away because that is not at all what you should feel needing assistance of any kind. Um, So I really had to transact in so many different facets of asking donors to support our cause and really showing them the face of hunger. It was their neighbor, it was their coworker, who knows who it could have been. People assume that food banks are just there to feed the homeless. Well, FoodShare of Ventura County is feeding 220,000 people a year. The last census count, 2,000 homeless people. I'll even double it and give you 4,000 for those that couldn't be counted. So where are the other 216,000 coming from? They're working families just trying to get by. Wow. Yeah.
0: It's fascinating, too, because, I mean, you and I have kind of grown up together in a way. Um, If you guys didn't know... (laughs) Uh, Jen and I actually met through the Ventura Chamber. We, in the very first meeting I showed up to, were kind of stuck together, pushed together. And they're like, oh, you guys are going to be best friends. And they were right. They were <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, we go from, let's see, you were working at the radio station. Mm-hmm. and just left there. I think you just gotten the job at Food Share. Media. Yeah. I was working at a radio station. And we start to, to become friends. And then there's this thing, and, and, and I'm going to say it this way the last podcast that you talked about, you yeah. didn't really talk much about how you found out about Influential You and then you got stuck with me. Yeah, You were going to some sort of a young professional thing. What was, Tell me that story.
1: This is truly one of my favorite memories, not just of you and I, but of our history with Influential You, then Influence Ecology. And Josh and I, for those um, who haven't followed him on social media, so we would go to these uh, young professional lunch mobs. They wore... Uh, once a month uh, lunches at Ventura Chamber Business where we would all get together and and mob the restaurant and a speaker would come and present to something uh, that was going on in the community and we would eat and hang out and then go back to our lives. And this particular lunch mob, Josh and I of course were there because that's what we did on Fridays. And we go order. We, of course, get a beer because, again, that's what Josh and I do. And we're sitting at a table probably full of 30 people. It was a rather well-attended mm-hmm. lunch mob. And Josh and I are at the end because, of course, we're not going to pay attention to the speaker. We're going to chat and drink and have a great old time. And in the middle of this 30 people is this amazing human known as Kirkland Tibbles. huh and he is there to give an hour or so presentation of influential, eco- influential ecology. Mm-hmm. and And he had no idea probably what he was walking into, truly, honestly. I mean, influence ecology was a little bit new in the chamber, in the community, not quite known yet. And he's there trying to talk to these 30 plus 20-year-olds about how to transact powerfully for what they want. And Josh and I are just Off in the end, and we have this great photo, you've posted it on social media before, of us taking a photo with beverages in our hand while Kirkland is speaking. And now here we are on the Influential You podcast, hosted by Josh Domingo. And it it just truly shows. And and then when you started working and going through the program yourself, you you talked to me about it. And I was like, okay, cool. But I needed that social proof, right? Mm. I needed to see what the program was going to do for you before I was going to invest in it for myself. And here I am investing in it for myself. That's
0: right. And it's funny to see the indifference that we had. (laughs) And now studying indifference and knowing more often than not, people are indifferent to what you want. They don't care. They have like blinders up. When something could really be helpful and valuable for you. And so that's how we got introduced. A few months later, I would get hired. I'd start working for them. And I remember you and I talking at the Harbor Coast Cafe yeah. and I said, here's and I pulled out my iPad. Here's what it is. And you were like, all right, I trust you. And you jumped in. What happened during your time through that? And now and you can kind of give us the, the shorter version yeah. since we have the other podcast. But tell me a little bit about some of the revelations, some of the things that kind of stuck from your first time to the fundamentals of transaction.
1: I think the biggest thing is um, I am my own superpower was one of the biggest things that I learned through FOT and, and taking the performer side of it and learning the, I guess, pros and cons of a performer. I don't really call them cons, but opportunities where a performer could find shortfall. But really taking that as, wait a second, I have not only my tools as a performer, but now I have the tools to know and be able to understand how to work with these three other personalities. And being able to adapt myself into each of those personalities as needed, dependent on my situation. So I really feel like that's what makes me a superpower. And that really could make anybody who's gone through the program and understands the four different personality types and what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what makes them upset and sad and whatever it may be. But then being able to adapt not just yourself, but your ask, what you want of them, what you need from them, what you need them to do for you, with you, so many different areas. So that's why I kind of um, really took from FOT is, man, like I, I really can do this, enhance myself, really uh, perfect my performer, nice, but then take the other three personalities and adapt them not to add value to my ask and my offers.
0: Yeah. And I think um, what you were speaking of to in, in that whole thing, the assets and liability of the performer, right? The asset of being the people person, yeah. being the clown in the golf cart, being like, hi, who are you at a mixer and just saying hello to people. And then realizing that that's a liability when people are doing rigorous work yeah. and boxing things up. And maybe the clown in the golf cart isn't the best person to jump in there and be like, hey,
1: everybody, what's going on? They see you as pretty and not productive.
0: Whoa. All right, T. go ahead and mark that one, please, as a place that we are going to stop that, because that was such a good line. <laughs> if I told you how many times I'm called pretty and not productive, <laughs> it would crack you up. Now, I also, in hearing that, have been told by many of the different people we've had on the podcast, on different places, That it also allows them to hone a different personality if they need to or turn on an inventor in the right situation do you ever feel in those kind of cases that it gives you the permission to maybe not be yourself in the sense but be a different version of yourself or like a judge version of jen of hey this is how we're doing things this is complete anything like that come to your mind when yeah you say
1: that? but and it's always perform at my core right so performers right. love to be the center of attention and by being the center of attention we love to be thanked and and celebrated and oh good job jen it was you um and is this sounding familiar josh yeah, a little so bit just a teensy yeah. so by putting myself in different situations and seeing what is needed in that situation to make it better and productive and successful I can adapt. So if I really need to be a judge and be a little bit more critical of the information that's being portrayed and not like, oh, don't worry, we'll make this work. It's going to be great. Let's go. Here we go. But you know what? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about three steps down the road of what this could be and what could happen if you don't take these actions? So by being that person, oh, wow. And it's different from what they're used to, right? So they listen to you more in that aspect because they're expecting pretty. They're not expecting productive. So that's why I love being able to adapt to the other personalities so I can always be important in whatever situation I'm put in.
0: Important, valuable. All able of it. to yeah, able to kind of cut through like a butter and knife and be like, hey, there's the message that you need to know. Yeah. Here's what it is. Um, and on top of that, you probably use some believers of influence. I don't know if you know, there's a new one, Unity. Unity. I really like that. And I'll also say this: you talked about in the in the pre-show notes that you no longer go with the flow. Now you make your own flow. That's a pretty bold statement, yeah. uh, and a lot of people use it but when we use it in the context, it really does mean something. What does it mean to you when you're saying that now you make your own flow?
1: I think it's just a fancier way of saying ambitious, right? Uh, of you, And and the, the lunch that we were at with Kirkland was a perfect example of going with the flow. It was just another Friday lunch mob. I was going to hang out with my friends. It's just kind of what you do. But looking back on it five years later, why would I have gone to that lunch mob? What would I, it have gotten me? Would I have intentionally put it on my calendar as something I needed to be at? What, what, what was the value to me? What was the takeaway? What was the ROI for me? Because I, I spent, what, probably 30 bucks on that lunch with lunch and beers, right? Sorry. So what was the return on that investment that I was going to receive? Back then, fun. And I was okay with that. Happy, fun, friends, all of it. Now, in the position that I'm at, Who's going? Where is it going to be held? Do I have any value that I need from those people that are going to be there to spend that thirty dollars, or do I spend the hour at work calling five donors asking for ten grand each? So I, it really is just a difference of uh, going with the flow and now being ambitious on where I take my flow. That's really good. So.
0: I'm going to I'm going to ask about that, too, because I think that's a really good thing. When we talk about your expertise, I sell people know I'm coming for them. They can smell it on me. I mean, what do I have to do to get you in this car today <laughs> is probably something I've said multiple times. Yeah. Um, I, you know, stick them up. I'm here for your money is kind of the the you know sales approach. Funny that I get a, away with. It's got to be much different in the nonprofit world, or maybe it's not. Can you talk a little bit about being the person that asks for or maybe does the invitations, asks for the sale in a nonprofit? What's that like?
1: It's not different in terms of the basic level that you're asking somebody for their money. But really what's different is the why Mm. they want to give it to you, right? So I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for your heart. Because if you give me your heart, you're just going to open your wallet to whatever organization that you want to support. Because truly, I don't want you to get connected with me, the chief development officer. I want you to get connected with Leah, 12 years old, out in Santa Paula, whose mom lost their job during the pandemic and had to go through one of our drive-through lines to get food. And would go in the back of the car every single week with her mom to get food. And she would hand color and make signs that said, thank you, and stick them out the window as we put boxes of food in her trunk. That's who I want you to get connected to because you're not giving your money to me, you're giving it to her in the form of shelf-stable good food continuously. And so when you, as a nonprofit person, but truly any sales, right, you want to get that person connected with what you have to offer.
0: (laughs) Sorry, that is... um pretty powerful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this real quick. Um, what's the website to go to if they wanted to donate? Because that story kind of got me a little bit.
1: Foodshare.com. And you will actually see Leah on our website. She is a real person, one of my very best friends who I got to know during the pandemic. Her and her mom, Esmeralda, would come to our Santa Paula distribution every week to get food. Um, and they no longer need to because uh, Esmeralda is back at work. Leah is in school and they're happy and healthy.
0: Um, that's a story of your local food bank here in Ventura and probably in Mm -hmm. your neighborhood as well. So make sure you go to VC, what is it?
1: Foodshare.com.
0: Foodshare.com. Will that connect you to any food share in your area? Will that connect you to the Ventura one?
1: That'll go straight to Ventura. If you're looking for the local food bank in your area, go to feedingamerica.org.
0: Now, uh, I'm going to take a moment and just remind you if you're just tuning in or you haven't listened, this is Jennifer Caldwell, the uh, Chief Development Officer for Foodshare. And we're talking a little bit now about that ask, right? That yeah. that that why, that what you just did was tell a beautiful story and it didn't feel like an ask, but it, it was. It was almost like a presentation that flowed into a contract. Anything that you learned through like, Fundamentals of Transaction that helped with the ask or helped, because I've never heard, you do it that way (laughs) Um, so uh, as i
1: you don't have any money to give me josh well done ouch
0: (laughs) go on (laughs) so no was it was that a thing that like you honed or did you do you actually intentionally do the invite present contract how does that go for you
1: no it absolutely fot really got me into more of the structured ask and not just going in guns blazing going with the flow and and knowing and assuming that because of where i work in the organization and the type of work we do people were just going to give me their money i couldn't think that way anymore it was it wasn't working for us in the past and it certainly wasn't something that I know was going to sustain me and grow the organization. I truly needed to go through that transaction cycle to be able to understand not necessarily what I'm offering, but then what that donor or whomever I'm speaking to wants. Because if I'm just going in hot and heavy if I need 10 grand to be able to feed 20 families, I don't know what they want. What if they wanted to give me more, but I'm only asking for 10 grand. So it's really going through that whole transaction, doing research on who this person is, who this company is, their propensity to give, have they given before, what does that all look like? Um, And I really didn't have that before FOT.
0: Wow, Um, we're gonna move to kind of this principle that you had actually brought up earlier, concentration and focus we talk about concentration being uh, removing the diluting elements focus bringing into view also two things the performers are not necessarily great at terrible concentrating and focus pandemic hits and you said the first thing you had to do was really gain a focus tell me more about the focus that was necessary in order to kind of get through that and kind of how you were able to actually help yourself and build an environment around you to make that a possibility.
1: Yeah, I remember sitting in the conference room. It was the executive team and our direct managers basically going, okay, (laughs) something's coming. We didn't still quite know what was happening. The lockdown had just been set. It had said for two weeks, but we still had to kind of plan. And we had been hearing from other food banks what was going on. And we had also trended about two weeks behind Los Angeles whatever they did 2 weeks later we kind of implemented. So we kind of got a good head start on what possibly is coming. And we sat there and we said, okay. We normally spend about 50 grand a month in food purchasing. And we sat there and like, okay, well, how much is in the bank? What can we what do we need? What can we get? What are we going to do with it? And we really had to streamline our entire operations. And I remember my CEO having to make a phone call to the executive committee of our board to approve a $300,000 food purchase because that was just unheard of at the time. How food banking normally works is you basically have this warehouse. You have all the food there and agencies, outside agencies, churches and so forth, they come in, they get the food and they bring it back to their pantry to serve. We're not a direct feeder. We're we're like a Costco is the best analogy I can use for that. So when the food purchase was approved, we okay, so the food's coming in. Our agencies are sheltered in place. They're closed. They they can't distribute food. What are we going to do with it? So we really had to adapt how we were going to get that food out to those that needed it. Um, and and that and really happened within that circle right there, which is where the pop-up pantries came from. But at that time, your title didn't matter. What your normal day job didn't matter. It was how can we get the food out to people. And it's all hands on deck, all brains in the room. Wow.
0: Um, you also mentioned The environment that you had to build around yourself, Um, obviously COVID-19 environments, a very big deal, uh, but with you in kind of to be successful in that role, uh, Chief Development Officer, which you got right before kind of COVID Mm -hmm. hit, what what kind of environments, like tell me a little bit about environments that you had to create around yourself in order to make yourself successful, uh, start leading a team anything that, that comes to mind with
1: that? I had to be really narrowly focused on what exactly it is I wanted to achieve or needed to achieve and we had some people I, with the pandemic everybody wanted that could jump in and help and offer help. they wanted to do so and maybe in in these ways that pre-pandemic we would have been like absolutely how can we lend assistance how can we partner with you to make this event great But now it was we are singularly focused on these emergency food boxes six days a week out of these various county locations. If what you're offering does not fit within that or increase the amount of food that we're able to get in, I'm sorry, but we're not able to accommodate you or partner with you at this time. And we also had to say no to some people who were offering goods or services of, of any tangible kinds if they were asking for something in particular, if they wanted something from us in exchange and that's just not something that we could have offered, not just at the time, but really any Of saying no to possible dollars in food because I'm sorry, I think what you're offering is fantastic and what you are asking for isn't completely out of the, the reach of possibility pre-pandemic. But right now, my focus needs to be the 220,000 people that are relying on food from me. So I really had to put myself in an environment where it was okay to say no, And it was okay to just basically stay in my lane
0: i I like that you said that because i also remembered oh yeah you also learned that saying no is more powerful Uh. than saying yes which apparently we forget around four or five years old that like you know mom stops whenever i say no yeah but suddenly it goes away and suddenly we start saying yes in our careers you tell me how no was more powerful in your world and maybe even how you started to be able to say no. Because if you're like me as a performer, I'm not good at saying no. I'm better at it now, as you notice. But what what does that mean to you when, when you start thinking about the word no and the power of no?
1: Every once in a while, I'll sit back and I'll look at my weekly calendar a couple weeks ahead. And I'll be like, what is, going, what is going on? What does this have to do with my job and what I bring to the com- what my job is and what I need to bring to the company, and although it's on my ca- I haven't, it's on my calendar, I haven't quite committed to it. But it's it's really letting the person you know. I apologize, I'm not going to be able to make that. So, no was a very scary word for me before FOT. It was I felt like I it's absolute FOMO for one. Right, what was I missing out on? Was it was going to be fun? Was was it that? Um, no was am, am I missing out on a um, a possible not not a uh, promotion, but anything in the community that was gonna increase my value and therefore increase the value of my company, right? So it was really hard to say that word. And then going through FOT and learning uh, what value is, unity and scarcity, but the scarcity piece is what really stuck to me, right? Is they're coming to me because they, they see my value, but they also think I'm just gonna give it to them without offering anything in return, no reciprocation whatsoever. So it was really coming down. It's more, it's really a selfish way to look at it, but it's a really ambitious way to look at it as well for my own value and keeping that in mind as well. And yes, I have a lot of ways that I can help, but I don't have to, and that's okay.
0: Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, the selfish line, right? Because Selfish to a performer is like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's others first than self. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you find that you no, know, sometimes it's good to be selfish. Sometimes I need to say, hey, no, no. If I'm not selfish with my time, uh, little Laura is not going to get the food that she needs. Or not going to get the funding that's necessary. Or not going to. And so you have to be selfish with your time. And one of the things that you probably heard multiple times in the program, if you don't respect your own time. Nobody else will. Yeah. And so that sounds like it was a really good thing for you. I'm also going to add that idea of value, you know, utility and scarcity, useful, something everybody wants, only you can give it to them. Yeah. And Jen, you are valuable. And I know you know that. And I know that on the last podcast, you talked about realizing what your value was. What is your value? Me. Go on.
1: I I man, this is actually a, a bit of a harder question than I anticipated because I'm like, of course I'm valuable, right? Done. Question, move on, duh. But really it's you're having to uh, talk good about yourself. Oh weird. Which I'm I'm not the greatest at <laughs> like Josh is. Um but, but I for me, and it's one of my favorite sayings, and I can't take credit for it. I have to give credit where credit is due. It's another CEO at a food bank up in Redwood Empire. His name's David Goodman. And one of his favorite sayings, I call them his Davidisms, is don't let the perfection be the enemy of good. So we strive as human beings to be perfect in everything we do. We're playing softball. We aim to be perfect. We want to go four for four and hit home runs that are actually outs and things like to that nature, Right. We want to be so good at our job and perfect on this test, and and everything that we do, we aim for perfection. But in that aspect, and I'm not saying you stop striving for perfection, but while you're driving towards perfection, you pass good. So what's so wrong with if you may not reach perfection, to no fault of your own or, or others, maybe, but what's wrong with still celebrating the good that you're doing? So still strive for for perfection. I'm not saying absolutely, definitely strive for perfection. But good is still good. Mm. It's in its name. It's in its definition. So don't be dissatisfied with the good of what you're doing. Don't self-deprecate, because you know I love to do that of all people, when what you're doing is really, really good or what you have to offer is good.
0: Back to the question that I asked. useful, scarce. What yeah. makes Jennifer Caldwell useful and scarce?
1: I feel like you're asking me that question and you have the answer more no. so than I do. Um, what makes Jennifer Caldwell useful and scarce?
0: Everybody wants it. Only she can do it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing, if you don't know Jen, then you probably don't live in Ventura, that's for sure. (laughs) I'll tell you another thing, your career speaks volumes about who you are. People know about you before, I mean, we were just talking about this earlier. Jen is not running for city council. Or any office. Please stop all the rumors if you're passing those around in Ventura. However, it's really fun to even be mentioned in that kind of thing. Do you feel that part of kind of what you bring to the community about your heart, about how you care about people?
1: That's truly all I want to do. And and I guess maybe somehow in this long answer, I might uh, answer value what I bring to the table. Um, But all I want to do is make this community selfishly that I live and work in the best possible place. To live and work in, not just for me, but for the future of my child as well, and so the rumors—they are true—of of me running for political office. Although it it, it kind of feels good when a unelected official reaches out to me and says, "Hey, I heard you're running for office," it was it it really kind of like wow. I am I, um, Jennifer Caldwell is in her phone as Jennifer Caldwell, and when she heard Jennifer Caldwell might be running for office. She didn't have her, her chief of staff reach out to me. She didn't send an email. She called me and she said, hey, I heard this. Let's talk. Okay. It was almost a surreal moment and a bit of a humbling moment too. But really it just kind of increased the, the gas lit on the fire that is my career and my life and my ambitious aims. Because I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm surrounding myself in the environment that I should be. And the value that I bring is when I am with you, you have all of me. And if that is a a, a partner of you on a political campaign, if that is just going out for dinner and drinks, if you have me, you have all of me. And I think that is the value that I bring to really any situation or circle that I'm in.
0: Good. I like that. And if you heard anything in there... That said, she's running for office. She is not making sure. Now, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, I guess tomorrow or uh, <laughs> on a Wednesday and, or after, you're not able to join us live. And we have some stuff in the chat that I'm just going to look at really quick. We've got Miranda, uh, our short, our second baseman, said you're amazing. Angela Maharg said howdy from Toronto. John Patterson's watching from France. Uh, hi, John. Way to rub that in. Thanks, John. Even <laughs> on the podcast, he's able to get in there. My mom asked me how much I'm donating. Ooh, that's
1: a great question, Mama D'Amigo. Yeah,
0: so uh, let's go ahead and jump to the next one. <laughs> and also, uh, John Patterson wrote this. I love how clear you are uh, to have an ask. Requesting, I can't see that far, requesting action or requesting a check. How did this transform you personally? Said another way, how did you get comfortable with the ask? Great question.
1: That's a great question, John, and thank you so much for asking. And uh, it wasn't really getting comfortable with the ask, I was so much getting comfortable with me asking. I already knew what I wanted to ask them, but I had to be comfortable with uh, valuing myself and that I deserved to be asking that question to that person. Sometimes I am on phones or in rooms with people where, where their net worth is just astronomical. And it's like, how did I end up in this room? This person knows me by name. So I really kind of had to get out of my own mind and my own self to be able to sit down and, and truly understand that this person already wants me to give, their, give me their money. They just want to be asked. And that's probably one of the biggest statistics in nonprofits that I learned throughout the years is 80% of the reason people give their money is because somebody asked that's it. That's all you needed to do, right? So I had to get out of my own mind of they're not here for me. They're here for the organization that they want to donate to. They just need to be asked.
0: Mm. 80% of the reason people donate is because they were asked. They were asked. Uh, fascinating statistic. At the end of our podcast, we always give the guests a um, kind of soapbox moment, something you do while you're thinking about it, just so you know, Crystal Stratton also called you valuable (sighs) on the podcast. So just so you know, you're getting some fire love from County fire. I
1: love her.
0: Um, What's your soapbox moment? What do you have that maybe you're working on something that, you know, a through line, something for you that really, Hey, this is what I want to bring.
1: So my last podcast, my my first podcast with John, I ended with a story uh, that was pretty hard to get through because it was a true story and it really touched on the on the m- a moment of hunger hits everyone. So I'm going to do the same. Okay. I'm going to try to get through this, but I think it's going to be OK. So as I previously mentioned, uh, during the pandemic, I was going to all of these pop-up distributions and helping to put boxes in cars. And I remember working one in Oxnard, and this Lexus drove through. And it was somewhat of a newer model, not brand new, didn't have new plates, but it was a newer Lexus. and. Although I am absolutely not one to judge, especially after the pandemic, you just have these thoughts of what's going on. So we open the trunk to put boxes of food in the back. The seats are completely laid down. There's children laying in the back. There's pillows. There's blankets. There's clothes hanging on the door hanger of the back doors. There's um, a, a case of water, curtains that covered the front seat and the back seat. Immediately, you knew that this family was living in that car. I put the box in the back. I say hello to the kids, and I can see from the rearview mirror that the mom starts to break down and cry. So I put the box in, I close the trunk, and I go up to the front. She has her window up, and I ask her to, I motion to her to roll it down. And I said, Hi, how are you today? And she just couldn't even get any words out. She immediately broke down and started crying. So I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, I need you to be strong for those two beauties in the back of your car. This food is going to get you through this week and maybe next. And then you come back anytime you need and you continue to get more. You fight for yourself and you fight for those two kids in the back. However you need to do it. And she just looked at me with tears strolling down her face. She didn't say a word. She rolled up her window and she moved on. And that is why I go to work every day.
0: Mm. Um all right, what well, what is the website to, to donate again?
1: Uh, foodshare.com
0: And globally
1: feedingamerica.org.
0: And outside of America
1: Joshdomigo.org oh, yeah, no,
0: no. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, thank you so much, Jim Caldwell. I'm I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna say a couple things what I, what I heard um, and then um, move to move to close. Um, it's funny to, to hear a performer um, and to hear them not be able to compliment themselves. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. I mean, you got through all that, but it took you a while. And it's really fun to watch that like others first versus like self edification. Um, And I know how hard that is. But that value of being able to go and make that ask, it's not something that I think uh, should be taken lightly. I think your ability to be you and also be with a person 100%. I wish more people could do that. It would be wonderful because as you and I both know, if you can't get on your cell phones, if you can't be somewhere with someone, Boy, it's just—it's very novel now. Yeah. Um, second, I, I think it's very valuable to tell people. I mean, your skill sets as someone who can speak, who can get up and do things, who's has no problems. You pr- I think you're more comfortable. I think you told me this at one point in front of three thousand people than three. You know. Yeah. And it's really funny because on your LinkedIn, you still have your Toastmaster <laughs> of the evening award that happens on everything. In your toastmasters and i just want to make sure that kirkland heard <laughs> that you still have that as something on like your mm-hmm. linkedin profile mm-hmm. um thank you so much for being a part of this thank you. Um, i'm going to move to complete and i'm going to take you off but if you have jokes in the background you go ahead uh thank you so much for joining us today if you'd like to know more about us at influential you please go to influentialu.global, and you can explore our courses consulting and conferences we offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience however If you're new to Influential You, we recommend that you just start with Thrive. It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes a chat, the, the chat access to faculty, plus discounts to our transformative conferences. You can sign up today, and, and Jen, I guess we're doing this for you, sign up today and use the promo code 20OFF for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20 off 200 Next week, we interview one of the partners from Influential U, Liz Smiley. Liz is the glue around here. And if you need something to get done, that's who you talk to is Liz as our director of admissions at influential use. She knows each of our clients very, very well, and you will love her story. Thank you so much for joining us today. Each week we stream live at 2 PM Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites books, or special downloads that we talked about in today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Jennifer Caldwell. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology LLC in Ventura, California, and this episode was recorded on August 24th, 2022, The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Train to Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week.